Life Audio. I came to the end of myself. I had nothing left. So it was like, it was this or nothing. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Hey, we're back. Look at us now. New studio set up, baby. Man, I like it, dude. I do too. Look around. Look around. It feels weird. I don't know what to do with my hands because I'm just like a creature of habit. Yeah. And I feel like we're a little too close, man. I, I agree. I, know, like, I mean, I'm closer to the edge than you are. You could probably scoot over a little I bit, probably but could. they've already <laughs> framed you in. So they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but check us out, man. Yeah, it's cool, man. I, I mean, like we need it. a few more decorations. This is our first time, man. I am so thankful. Jorian and Carlos did an amazing job on this, man. All of them. All of them. Yep. Shout out Jorian and Carlos. We'll decorate these shelves behind us with some uh, things that are yeah. sentimental to us in the near future but yeah i think it looks good and i don't know if the cameras can catch this what's behind me on my shelf can they might be something in the preview okay they can't but the next week yeah next week we got a video coming that might be a hot one yeah i'm, I'm not looking forward to it but i am but i'm not but we used to have a saying called it, do it for the pod and so well, and things, it was we your idea it was. it was completely your idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm sick right now. So and I'm you're really close to me. That's a little great. under the weather. I was hacking up a bunch of crud this morning, so I'm not feeling the best, but I'm here, dude. I showed up. I promised I wouldn't talk about it, so I'm not going to. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Plus, it's going to be yeah, weeks later. It's going to be don't. weeks later, and it wouldn't make sense, right? Don't do that. So, so man, <laughs> welcome back. We are so excited. We have a, a fun podcast today. We have a special guest today. Um, if you've been around for a minute and you've seen the videos and stuff on our uh, pod on our uh, channel, um, you probably recognize this. But so first, I got to say this guy was voted most handsome man in Indiana sixteen years straight, and he's only eighteen years old, and that's a big well, deal. I think he's a little older. I think he's a little older, but nonetheless, <laughs> most handsome man in the state of Indiana. That's a big deal. You don't do ages well. Uh, well, you, you thought I, you thought, I knew your birthday. You didn't know mine. You didn't know my birthday, <laughs> and you thought I was like fifty. Play it back to when I knew his birthday. You can't do that. That's too many edits. <laughs> all right, don't don't play it back. He didn't know my birthday. We know the truth. But before we dive into the most handsome man in Indiana, uh, guys, thank you so much for subscribing. Yeah. If, if you enjoy this, um, and when you subscribe, one. Uh, it helps the channel get more into the algorithm, gets this message of hope out to more people. When you like the videos, it does the same thing. Um, and then, you know, we have these options. This is weird for us to talk about, but there's uh, a join option. And I think it's two ninety nine a month. You can join. You get a few perks, like 10% off in the merch. You get um, stickers. You get a shout-out from us. But mainly, it's it, you're sowing into a, a seed. All of the money goes to uh, making this better, making our... Um, content better making it more appealing um so yeah you could join on the on the episodes there's things called super thanks yeah and this is all new to us that youtube's offering a way to um help cover some of the expenses of what it takes to do this so thankful for those we have people that are members very excited uh you got the join button that you press um 
Yeah, anything else in housekeeping? No, I mean, you can be our best friend in real life with just a simple click of a button. That's pretty cool, Best man. friend in real life <laughs> yeah. with just a simple click of the button. That's awesome, dude. So we'll, let's bring up this guest. Now, I'm a little bit frustrated with him because we said – have we said his name yet? We haven't said his name. Most handsome man in Indiana. So most people know just based off of that, yeah. yes, but we haven't said his actual government name. Right, his government name. <laughs> Isaiah Davis, welcome to the podcast, Woo! my brother. Right. Hey, hey. Thank now, I got, a, I got a bone to pick with Isaiah before we even allow him Ooh. to speak. I think I know Dang. about this bone. I mean, we told him specifically. Uh, you'll get in the story and all that. Isaiah's on staff. He's an amazing guy. We told him specifically. He's like, man, I've never done a podcast before. And we're like, yeah. all right, Isaiah, man, we want you next week or a couple weeks from now. We have, we're going to have a new studio design. It's going to be awesome. But, man, don't do any other podcast. <laughs> Please don't do any other podcast before you do our podcast. And what did he do? He went on another podcast. He went on another podcast. And so this conversation never happened. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Glad yeah. to have you. That, he's Thank right. You, we man. never had that conversation. I'm, I'm excited to have you. I think some people probably recognize you because you've been in a video. Um, you, oh, that's our million dollar man. right? That's there. our million. million <laughs> that's him right there in the flesh. <laughs> million view, man. You've heard yeah. us talk about the video of Isaiah that got a million views and Somehow. then YouTube took it down. Here he is in the flesh. Yes. Thank so, you. of course, they recognize him. Million. Million. <laughs> Millions million. of them. At least a million people recognize him. So, how did that make you feel when your thing kind of went viral? Uh, that was, that was kind of crazy. I remember just, uh, I forget, for some reason I hopped on YouTube and I, like, went to look at it and it had, like, 150,000 views. I was like, what the heck? And then, like, the next day it had, like, 400,000 yeah. views. And then it just, like. It kept going, and yeah. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah, and that For was real. cool, man. And I understand why YouTube took that down, because you, and we're going to get into this, but there were some, some of those photos were from when you were under 18. You started oh, yeah. using Majority. and doing drugs. And so they have a policy, you know, you can't show minors doing those things. <laughs> right. Although, well, we won't get into it. We've talked about that. Yes. But, so I understand that. But, man, I want to talk to you about your story. I want to talk to you about what um, God's doing in your life now. Um, as a lot of you might know, and if you haven't, we have a sister podcast called Hope After Addiction. Uh, it's family members. It's, it's aimed at family members of uh, loved ones who battle addiction, and so it's hope for them. Uh, Isaiah's mom actually was on that podcast, mm-hmm. and she had a chance to kind of tell her story on the video that we have. We have both of them kind of telling their story. So, man, I wanted you to be able to come on and kind of tell your story uh, from your bird's eye view and um, – yeah, tell us a little bit about Isaiah Davis, the most handsome man in Indiana. <laughs> well, that's also not true. Oh, Did yeah. Win that we, award. We tend to make, make a lot of stuff up, <laughs> mainly Ryan, but yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, super thankful that my mom was able to do uh, the Hope After Addiction podcast. That was really cool. Um, I know for her as well for me, uh, you know, our story kind of goes hand in hand. Um, she had a huge part in my story. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, dude, I mean, I just, I started just doing stupid things at a really young age. I think 14 was the first time I drank, smoked, um, wasn't really like, uh, a, a peer pressure thing or I don't know. I just, I guess I was just curious. Like I just wanted to just try stuff out. Yeah. Um, and it just progressed from there. By the time I was 15, 16, started dabbling with like psychedelics, like acid and shrooms um, by the time I hit 18 is when I tried like pain pills and stuff like that for the first time. And, uh, you know, that's when things really started to take a turn for the worst. Um, I was dating a girl at the time, uh, 
kind of had her on like this pedestal mm. um, in my life. Yeah. And so we ended up breaking up. And, you know, if you have if you're idolizing anything and that gets taken away, you really don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Your and identity so, is kind of wrapped up in that. So. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, and like I have my identity wrapped in, in a bunch of different things. Sports and probably. Yeah, a hundred percent. That was um, probably my first thing I probably had my identity wrapped up in was like sports. You know, yeah. I always did sports since I was like four or five, you know, doing soccer and then uh, basketball, track and field, baseball, all that stuff. Were you, were you always third, fourth string on those teams? Is that what <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> I played JV basketball. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, go. I played JV basketball. That sucked. But, yeah. Um, no, no, not third and fourth string. Uh, <laughs> I was just joking. Clear, clearly, he's a very athletic man, and I'm jealous. So, I just had to drag him down with me. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I remember it was like 2020, you know, like when COVID happened yeah. and stuff. Um, I was in college doing track and field. Oh, wow. You just threw that out there, did you? Yeah, I was in college game. playing a collegiate athlete. No big deal. Well, this is this is uh, how much I have my identity wrapped up, like pride in like being a collegiate athlete, yeah. right? And COVID comes, cancels our season, mm. and you know I'm like struggling with being at college. Like it's a lot different than high school, and so I decide I'm not going to go back. Um, and so I just like start working, but like I'm not doing sports anymore. Something that my identity had been in for. 10 years yeah. at least, you know? Um, and so then a few months later, me and my girlfriend at that time, we break up. And so now I'm just like, Oh wow. Left with nothing yeah. you know, in my mind. And so all I have left is like, not to drugs. mention it was a scary time in the country oh, yeah. too. That yeah. pressure too. that you remember Isolation. That? Yeah. Like I forgot until he just said that. I guess I didn't forget, but I mean, Sports got canceled. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I remember Everything. basketball. School. March Madness was canceled. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. So crazy time. Your identity, your foundation of who you are, mm-hmm. just crumbling all around you. Yep. Here you are. You said you were working. Were you waiting tables? I think I heard. Um, a little bit later. When I first left school, I started. Uh, I was working to be like a an electrician. Like okay. I was going to be a journeyman. Um, but then you know all this stuff kind of started happening. And I didn't want to stay in my hometown anymore. And so that's when I left my small town of North Manchester. Shout out all my people in Manny. <laughs> <laughs> Shout them out. Shout them out. And then uh, I went to uh, South Bend, Indiana. And so lived there for about two years. That was before I came here. And so, But I was waiting tables at that time. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, once all this bad stuff started happening... I really just like my mind was so twisted. I I literally thought that like drugs were the only thing that wasn't going to let me down. Mm. Like that they'd just be consistently there for me. Um, and so, you know, smoking weed was just I mean, it was like smoking cigarettes to me. You know, it was just a part of my daily habit. Um, but then drinking started to get worse. Um, pain pills started to get worse. Started drinking lean, like whatever I could get my hands on, really. Um. I was kind of before I got really addicted to pills. I was really just addicted to not feeling anything. So I was just like relate to that man, doing whatever I could, whatever I could do. Um, a lot of Molly ecstasy, you know. Just praise the Lord that my brain still works. Yeah, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've said that too, man. 
yeah. about it too with the stuff I've done. Praise God that I still have emotions. And, right. You know, I think we talked right. about it a couple episodes ago. Just yeah. like motor functions. Can I know? stop you for a second just yeah. with your story? So before you got, before South Bend, South Bend's bigger, Manchester's a small town we were yeah. talking before we started. Yep. Um, <clears throat> not like, just kind of details because I'm just kind of, I'm a visionary, like picture guy as you're telling your story. Right. So, so small town, um, we're currently in a small town. You said right. it was a little bit bigger than this one. Was it easy or hard? What was it like to how were drugs just read available? Did you have to travel to the next town? Um, uh, what was it like in that situation? Just and I guess it's just curiosity as I'm painting the picture. Yeah, because um, I know like small towns for some reason tend to, um, I think for a couple reasons get hit pretty hard with different types of drugs, mm-hmm. and a lot of times what I hear of you know I've done this for almost 12 years now or 12 years now serving yeah. here came through this program a lot of it is because there's nothing else to do like when we interviewed zach williams mm-hmm. the musician for the for the documentary he grew up in a small town in arkansas he's like man there's nothing else to do right this is what we did so right. kind of walk me through that small town was it easy was it is it that just kind of what we did on, yeah you know to kind of get going so yeah that whole like nothing better to do really a hundred percent like every weekend you know me and my friends were getting together and we're just doing stupid stuff because there's yeah. nothing else to really do um weed was really easy to find i feel like that's just because it's everywhere um you know other things we probably would have to go to the next town over um to find Fort Wayne, Indiana is a very big city in Indiana, yep. and so it was about 45 minutes oh, from okay. where I lived. Oh, okay. yeah. And so we go there or just, you know, just other places. But, um, but yeah, dude, I mean, it was – a lot of the harder stuff didn't come until I moved to South Bend, mm-hmm. and it was way more readily available. Yeah. Um, but I know just – I had a couple run-ins with cops in my hometown, and just, like, talking to them, I know that, like, meth was really bad in my town. Um, I just, I never did meth. So, um, you know, that seems to be really in small towns, rural towns. Meth seems to be kind of the, um, one of the main drugs that that we hear about. Right. And so you in the small town, uh, it was it hard for you. Cause I mean, obviously I've talked with your mom, we've interviewed you. I've listened to the other podcasts that he did or some of it, (laughs) but you have a big family. Right. And so when you have a big family in a small town, um, you pro- people probably know you, right? Yeah. And so you're going through this, police, people, teachers, all this. They mm-hmm. know you, know your family. So were you trying to? Were you pretty slick about it? And I don't want to get to South Bend quickly, but I just have a few more. Were yeah. you like real private about it in a small group, or were you kind of publicly at that stage? Yeah. Kind of just wiling out and. So I should have been. I should have been private or at least like try to keep it. Um, but you know, when you're a kid and you just don't know any better, quite frankly. Um, and again, like when I first started doing it, when I was 14, 15, I took pride in it. Like, Mm, like almost like rebellion. Yeah. Like I'm cooler than all the other kids in my grade Uh. because I'm smoking and drinking, you know, cause like the kids in my grade, like I had a pretty good grade, you know, like, everyone's real smart you know all pretty good kids and so it was like me and my two best friends we were just like these busters you know Mm. (laughs) yeah and uh and so yeah so i mean when my mom and stepdad found out i was smoking weed it was because another parent had told them because i wasn't being 
quiet about it. You know, we were, me and my friends are going to gas stations, like blazed out of our mind, you know, like, and it's a small town, you yeah. know, like seeing people we know, eyes are red, you know, like it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. not a good Young situation. And dumb, yeah. And I have a huge family. My whole family has grown up in that town. My mom and all my aunts and uncles went to the high school that I went to. Like a lot of the teachers I had taught them. Oh, you know, wow. like, so it's like, I was just an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you were focused on you. Oh, yeah. And rebellious. Oh, and super yeah. selfish. I yeah, could yeah. care less, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my mom, like, crying to me, like, you know, like, about, like, our family name, you know. Like, mm. not that they're – I mean, there's a pride in that, you know. Sure. And, like, I, I have a good family, you know. And I'm sitting here just tarnishing it, you mm. know. And so – yeah, just very selfish at that time. Just not caring about anybody else except myself and what I want to do. You yeah. Know? So. yeah, I relate to a lot of what you said, <clears throat> especially pertaining to identity. You know, that your identity was in women and your identity was in sports mm-hmm. in the same way as you. Uh, I didn't play college sports, but when I got to college, I stopped playing sports. And so, therefore, right. I didn't realize how much my DNA and who I was or how I viewed myself was tied directly into sports. Right. And then I never thought about what I wanted to do with my future. So it was hard to just like buckle in and like, okay, now let's get a degree because that's what you're supposed to Mm -hmm. and go to school for something and then get a job after that. It's like I never thought that far ahead. (laughs) And so when your identity gets taken out from under you, what do you do? Well, the next thing that's going to make me instantly feel better. And Mm -hmm. so that's, you know, getting high, getting drunk, chasing more women, doing these things. And obviously it leaves you empty at the end of the day. But another thing is, like you said, it's so culturally accepted, like it's cool. Like, you're cool if you're the guy with the weed. You're cool right. if you're the underage 18-year-old who can get into a bar. Yeah. You're cool if, you know, and it's the music we listen to. It's the people that we yeah. idolize. Even mm-hmm. in athletes, you know, it's the movies we watch. It's the, it's the things that we allow in that we know later on in life once we came to the Lord that, man, that plagues my whole entire body. Yeah. Right. When I allow these, you know, spiritual forces of evil in from the outside, um, I may be getting ahead. But was there like a moment within the time that you've explained so far um, that you were like, dang, okay, this is getting a little too deep. I'm getting a little too far consumed with this, or did that happen later on? Um, before South Bend, I don't think I ever had that okay. that thought process. You yeah. know, I think um, I had this invincible pro- uh, complex. You know, I just thought like I have control. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not like these yeah. other people. Yeah. You know, like I'm way smarter. You know, like. I've been around this game for a while. (laughs) Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Plus, he's, he's the man in the small town. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. I mean, that adds and like you said, that. feeling that, like, you know, 
going to parties. I'm the dude with the weed. I'm mm-hmm. the dude bringing drinks. You know, yeah. like it's yeah, it's just pride, it's ridiculous. Dude. It's yeah. so childish when we look back. Like <laughs> I think back to who I was. I'm like, I was a straight bum thinking I was. Oh something. yeah, and it's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So let's get to South Bend, man. So South okay. Bend, big city, mm-hmm. uh, the the foundation of everything that that made Isaiah Isaiah, at least in your mind, had just been shattered. Yeah, stripped uh, away completely. And then now, man, you said that uh, big city. Now all of a sudden, some things are starting to get a little bit more dicey. Yeah, very. So, t- so walk us through that. So the whole reason I moved there was because everything got stripped away, and I'm like. I know how to fix this. Get away. Yeah. Which doesn't ever fix it, you right. know? And so I moved to this, you know, I'm 19 years old. I move in with one of my best friends. Um, you know, one of the dudes I was in my hometown running around doing crazy stuff with, you know, moved to this big city. I'm extremely emotionally unstable. Mm. I have a drug and drinking problem, but I just don't realize it, you know? And now I'm working as a server making cash money yeah. every single day. <laughs> like those three things. That's not good. It's a concoction for Away disaster. from family, too. Oh, you know, yeah. Where there's like some sort of accountability. accountability right. Or at least I can, you know. Right. Like my mom, like, you know, through this, like when I was still uh, in high school, me and my mom's relationship got really dicey, you know, just because I was just, again, being a buster. I was just being, and I was mean to her, disrespectful, like yeah. that selfish, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of, uh, going through the things that I went through in 2020, as well as just some other stuff, like we had grown closer and, you know, my mom had loved me through all that stuff. So I knew that no matter what I could trust her with like anything, you know, um, which played a huge part later on. Yeah. Um, and so she would still call me and talk to me, but you know, like you can kind of fake it over the phone. Sure. Like, yeah, Yeah, I'm doing great. You know, like just made $500 today at work, you know, like I'm doing awesome. Yeah. Well, um, and you're probably high. Cause I mean, if you weren't high, you probably didn't answer the phone. Right. Right. At least for right. me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm getting off the phone quick. Cause it's right. like, I, I got other things to do, yeah. you know? Um, and so the first, I want to say the first five months I lived in that apartment, it was every day, but it wasn't just one thing. It was like either I was either, I was smoking every day I was either drinking, if I wasn't drinking, I was doing, you know, molly or acid or shrooms. And I got on this kick of, like, mixing. Like, I started just, like, again, praise the Lord, my brain still works. Um, Because I would just... Your heart didn't explode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was... I I have terrible memories of nights where I was so high on so many different things, I didn't know what I was feeling. Like, Mm. it was just so many different... I couldn't even tell you what drug I was feeling, you know? Um... And so I remember it was getting close to my 20th birthday, and I was like, you know what? This is when I realized, like, this could get bad. You know, like, this is starting to get out of control. I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff, and I'm not really giving myself a break. And so I was like, I'm just going to cut it back to, like, drinking on the weekends, smoking weed. You know, let's, (laughs) you know, once I turn 20, that's what I was telling myself. So I turned 20, and I actually did well. You know, like, that summer, I did really good. August comes around of that year, and, like, some tragedy hit my family. My uncle had passed away. Mm. Um, And that same day, my mom actually went to the hospital because she had a pulmonary embolism, which is like a blood clot on your lungs. And so, you know, someone who's basically, like, white-knuckling, like, sanity, Mm. 
all this happens and like what do I turn to drugs except this time I went straight back to just pain pills I wasn't even messing with nothing else I was like I'm going straight back to pain pills and I went to before I would do these like they were just like perks like 10 milligrams um but in South Bend these one pills started getting popular and they're they're these blue Roxies which now I feel like everybody knows is just fent pills you know just pills with fentanyl in it um and so I started getting those and started doing those every day um and so it got to the what did you say 10 milligram 30 milligrams yeah yeah Um, 15 I think and like I mean these blue ones I mean they're just made in some dude's basement you know like oh really yeah like oh no you don't know how much fentanyl's in it you know it could be you know you're doing one and it's like you know oh I'm used to doing this amount and then you get from a new guy and there's more in that and like that's why people are dying so much off of these because they're just not used to it he came so so here's something cool I wanted to point out so we, you hear a lot of testimonies from a guy who's walking five, six years in freedom, 10, 12 years in freedom. Um, when did you come through? September 18th, 2022. So a year, right? He's a little over a year of walking in freedom. You can see it on his face, mm-hmm. one. And you hear his story. You hear the devastation. You can see on his face the freedom and the joy that he has, just the glow of, of just Amen. what freedom looks like, which is why we want – I mean, it's, it, we want this to relate, man. You might be going through it. You might be six months. You might mm-hmm. be, like, so fresh. But, man, I'm just reminded, when he's coming up, it's we, – we dealt – there was fentanyl around when we were coming up, but it was not killing people. Right. Yeah. People were dying of overdoses and stuff like that, of mm-hmm. heroin, and, you know, mm-hmm. it was – but when his – I mean, yeah, it's, it's you're lucky, really man. scary to be fire. in the drug game right now. Yeah. I mean, because it's you're not lucky. just it's not just pain pills anymore. I mean, no. they're putting in meth, they're putting in coke, they're putting in everything. Zans, everything. You have no idea what you're getting, um, and your last use could be your could be your last. Yeah. you know, like that. You yeah. know, you don't. It hits you so quick, you don't even realize it. You know, I've had two buddies overdose right in front of me, and like it happened within a matter of seconds. Yeah, you know, like and completely blue you know it's just it's scary it's a really really scary thing and so like looking back on it it's like man i had such a little care about my life you know like i was putting myself in danger every single day throughout the entire day for about two years straight you know like by the grace of god i'm still alive um because i know people have died for way less yeah you know um and so so this is like end of october of 2021 um you know, at this point, this is the first time I'm ever kind of feeling withdrawals from my usage. You mm. know, before it was always just kind of like maybe a mental dependency. Sure. Like I just wanted to not feel anything. But now I'm starting to have like the physical dependency because I'm doing the, the fentanyl every single day. Um, and so I was doing like one to two of those little blue pills. And so I remember my mom had called me. This is like October, like close to Halloween time. Uh, like a week before. And so my mom had called me and I was withdrawing. And like the dude that I usually would get from, he wasn't picking up. And so like I'm laying in bed just sick, depressed, like realizing that I'm addicted to these pills. Yeah, life and sucks. So, and then my mom just happens to call me. And you know, mom's like, I can hide it so much. But when you're like withdrawing and going through it, like, you know, she knew something was up. And she was like, like, what's going on? You yeah. know? Um, and so she, uh, I ended up like, started crying and stuff and just told her what was going on, you know, and that I was, um, that I felt like I was addicted to these pills. And so she, uh, 
she was like, okay. She was very calm about it. You mm. know, she didn't freak out. Um, she was just like, okay, you know, like game plan mode, you know, like what are we going to do about it? Um, and so she, uh, she sent me like a number. It was like America's addiction hotline or something like that. And so I called him. Ended up getting on a flight to Florida the next day. Mm. And so this is the first time I went to rehab. It was a secular rehab. It wasn't bad. They definitely pampered you. Um, you know, you had your own, like, queen-size bed. There's a TV by your bed. Like, uh, they had, like, two Xboxes. Uh, Co-ed. Personal chef. Like, Co-ed. It was, it, was, it was nice, but, like. Was it guys and girls co-ed? Yeah, it was guys yeah. and girls, which, like. It's the dumbest thing yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. I don't recommend the that. The biggest distraction the big, you could ever yeah. I've gone, I've gone, have. I've gone to co-ed as well, and it's like, it's not. It's like, it's, well, well, yeah, I don't know who, yeah. And, and the place I went, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a money grab, you know? Like, you got insurance, bet. We're going to keep you here as long as we possibly can, yeah. you know? And Until it runs out, then you're out. Yeah, and then you got to hit the road, Jack, yeah. you know? Um I am thankful for that place because I did have, like, a therapist that I was able to talk to and work through some things. Again, it wasn't Christian counseling, but it was still someone. Like, at this time, I would bottled so much sure. stuff up, and I Heck wasn't yeah. talking to anybody about anything. And so, like, in all reality, I probably didn't even need a therapist, just someone to just word vomit all this stuff to. Um, and so, so I am grateful in that aspect. Um, so I went there. It was, like, end of October. I came home beginning of December. Um and I was like, you know what? I got this. Hmm. I, Isaiah, has got this. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to work a lot. I'm going to go to some meetings, you know, maybe do Celebrate Recovery, start going to church more, um, you know, because that was in the back of my mind. Like, I knew I needed, you know, Jesus more, but I didn't realize, like, that I desperately needed him. So did you, know? did you grow up in church? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I guess Youth I groups. All I that. missed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Youth I mean, group, we're, campus yeah. life. Uh, yeah, I probably all the way through like eighth grade, very involved in like going to church and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of hindered me a little bit because I think in my mind, I just kind of watered down the gospel, you know, like I knew it, but I didn't, I didn't realize the magnitude of it and, um, you know, that it applied to me, you know? Um, and so, uh, after I left that rehab, I think I was clean, like off everything for about a month, started smoking weed. But like, again, I like, you know, just at night before it's I go just to bed, weed. Yeah, it's, just, it's not know, I never these had a pills. problem with weed, you know, it didn't, it's a plant. Change. Exactly. Come on. Know? We just <laughs> did an episode on weed last week. So was yeah, that last week or two weeks ago, last week. Yeah. So yeah. go watch that. If you want to yeah. know our real feelings, it helps me weed. sleep. It helps me eat, you know, all this stuff. Which, by the way, I'm sleeping better and eating better than I ever have in my entire life, and I haven't smoked in a year. So. Yeah, preacher. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Do you see him right there? He went like this. He went straight into the camera like, hey, by the way, I like it. I well, like just because, like, you know, I just, good. I've had the conversation with people before, and it's yeah. like you're talking to someone who is the biggest pothead it's a trap. ever. You know, like I made up every excuse. I did the research, all this stuff, and yeah. I'm like, you don't need it. We should have had him on last week. Yeah. Hey, we got a link in the description for last week's episode. Listen to what he's saying. (laughs) Um, And so I started doing that. Well, you know, uh, that ended up leading to drinking again, you know, which I was never like a huge drinker. It was like that was just a supplement to like if I couldn't get drugs, I would drink. Um, But, you know, I'm still serving. 
hanging out with those people. We're going out to bars and stuff. Like, at this point, I'm, like, almost 21, but, like, I guess I look old enough to not get ID'd, which I think is kind of crazy because I don't think I look 21 now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but I started going out. Like, we go karaoke, all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm drinking more. And then I remember in February of 2022, I went on, like, a three-week bender of drinking every single day, which mm. I've never done that in my life. And so at the end of that, I was just like, I don't even really like drinking. Like, if I'm just going to get messed up every day, might as well do what I want to do, you know? And so, and the enemy is funny with how he'll set things up. I didn't go searching for it, but this girl that I had on, like, my Snapchat that, like, I didn't even know sold drugs, she, like, posted on her story, like, perks for sale. I was like, instantly. Like, I already had these thoughts, but I was like, I'm not going to go out of my way. I don't have to go out of my way. You know, it just laid right in front of me. And so... I ended up getting some from her. This would have been like in March. Um, I remember I did it. I felt terrible about it. Didn't do it for a couple weeks. First week of April, I went to Florida with my family. Had a great time. You know, my parents are like, you know, we're so proud of you. You know, like you've been doing so good. Um, And they have no idea that I've been smoking, drinking, and now that I've relapsed on perks once, you know. And so I, uh, I remember coming back home feeling good about myself. And then also, like, you know, I did some of those pain pills, but, like, I went three weeks without doing it. Like, I could probably do these every once in a while. And so I remember mm-hmm. I got some more and literally started doing them every, every single day. day. Like yeah. that. Like, there wasn't, like, I, I got it again and then waited a couple of weeks and then it slowly progressed. Like, it was immediately yeah. started doing it every single day. Yeah. And so uh, this would have been in April. By the time it was my birthday, my birthday is May 5th. By the time it hit my birthday, I was already fully addicted to them. Mm. And... uh I remember when I went to rehab the first time I was doing like one to two by the time I hit my birthday, I was doing like three to five a day. And so, so now like May, June, July, like really, I don't have a lot of memory of just cause I was so high yeah. and like I would start withdrawing within three to four hours. Like I was taking some of me to work just so I can make it through the work day. Oh, I remember, man. Me and, too. oh, it's awful. It's an I awful go feeling. Yeah, snorted, going to the I bathroom. I snorted mine, so I'd go to the bathroom. Yep. I, that's the, I would do the same thing. I had, like, these little baggies. I'll just put it in, and I'll just go to the bathroom, boom, do it, go back, just yep. start working, serving people, families, kids. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, just – it's, it's slavery, man. It that's is. what it is. It, like, I had to do that. Yeah. I couldn't work if I didn't do that. Exactly. I couldn't be joyful if I didn't do exactly. that. Exactly. It owned me, man. Mm-hmm. It dictated every part of my life that yeah. I did. So, man, I relate to that. It was in, I was in such a terrible cycle because, like – like you said, like I couldn't work without doing it, yeah. but I needed money to get it. And yeah. so it was just like this constant And like over those months, like, you know, I was getting high, but most of it was just maintenance. Like mm. I was just doing it just to feel normal, you know? Um, and so uh, I remember July, like third, I had like set up, there was this detox in South Bend. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to go to this detox because I try to get off it myself a couple of times. But, like, I would last maybe 12, 14 hours and just be in such agony. And yeah. I would cave every single time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll go to this detox place that's literally in my town. And, but I knew they were going to take my phone. So 4th of July, my family always gets together. I'm there. And I remember telling my mom, like, hey, I'm going to this detox, like, next week. Like, I've, I got on the pills again. And it's kind of bad, you know. And so, but I try to, like... Be like, but I got it under control. Like, I'm going to this detox. I'm going to be okay, you know? And so at this point, like, my mom's actually starting to get scared. Because, yeah. like, 
before she was like, you know, it wasn't that bad. He told me he got help like he's good. And so now she's starting to realize that like, oh, man, like he's like, like really has an issue with this and it could kill him, you know? Well, um, she also, man, got bamboozled. Right, she yeah. thought you were good. You right. had already gone to rehab. Right, right. She thought you weren't drinking. Doing I pulled this a stuff. rug right out from under yeah. her, and then all of a sudden she gets this call, and it's like, oh, he's been living a double life. Yeah, and that's what we do, man. Yeah, we, we live double, triple, quadruple mm-hmm. lives. I'm this way to this person. They don't know this. It's this, yeah. and so yeah, she got, she got. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't see that. I think deep down she kind of knew, but okay. she didn't want to believe it. Yeah, you know, because you know, mom did like sure something might be wrong but he's maybe just going through some things he's not back on the pills yeah. you know but it's like no no i was back on it. i was i was bad off you know and so i went to this detox i was there for like 10 days got out and i remember i was just still really foggy you know like just like i was clean you know i wasn't withdrawing anymore but i just like i did not feel normal at all yeah. you know uh, I still felt very much so enslaved to the pills, even though I wasn't physically dependent on them. And so, like, I think I did good for a couple weeks, but then I relapsed again. Yeah. And so, uh, beginning of August, like, my mom, she knew right away at this point, you know, like, she she wasn't playing around this time. And so, she was like, all right, you need to get help, like, long-term help. Do you want to find a place or you want me to? And I was like, you go ahead. I, I'm not in the right state of mind to do so. And so... Um, I'm not sure if she looked up faith. I think she looked up faith base and S2L popped up. And so she called, got on the phone with Mike Brown. And Mike so Breezy. Mike Breezy, dude. Uh, love that dude. And uh, she, uh, I remember she was getting off the phone with him and he prayed with her. Mm. And like, that's what like sealed it for my mom. Like something just rang right in her spirit. And she was like, this is where he needs to go. And so I remember she called me. She's like, hey, I think I found the place, you know. And, like, in my, in my mind, I'm like, I want to get help, but, I like, it's a battle within myself, you know. Like, I want to get help, but, like, I can make this go a little bit longer, you know. Like, I think I was really just scared of the detox because I knew how bad yeah. it was going to be. Because, like, so in, in August at this point, I was doing 10 pills a day. Oh, like wow. that was and that was maintenance. Like, that was just to make it through my day. That's a lot. It, yeah, crazy. Um, and like you know, and like that, when, he, when he means if you if you're not familiar, if, if you're listening to this, maybe you're not familiar with the opiate game. When he says maintenance, he's taking ten pills a day and not getting high. Yeah, it's it's to feel normal. Now, yeah. is he? He's definitely high. He's definitely um, uh, numb, numb, feeling the effects. But yeah. he's not like he's not like he's that's no, baseline life. Yeah. Like just so he could get out of bed. Kind yeah. Of gig. Yeah, like the first time you start doing those pills, it's like, here's your baseline, and you're like hitting this high, you're hitting this high, you're hitting this high. And then all of a sudden, when you're not doing it, you start hitting this low. Yeah. And so then it's like, pretty soon you start hitting this really low, where now your high is just hitting back to that baseline. That's a good way to explain it. And that's how you just get trapped in this this bondage, you know? And so, so, you know, like I said, I didn't come to Swell till September 18th. My mom talked to Mike Brown beginning of August. Mm. Um, And so I... uh, I was kind of, you know, again, being a buster, you know, just like, well, I got to pay my car payment. I got to get my rent money, you know, like all, all these excuses. Yeah. The same things now that you talk to guys that are telling you that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's the same. I'm like, dude, you were barely doing that before. Yeah. So why do you need to go home now to make sure you get yeah. this done? You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just so funny being on the other side and being able to look at it and just like yeah. in a whole new light. Um, so... 
so yeah, I think my mom finally put her foot down and she was like, look, I don't care what you got to pay. I don't care about court, all this stuff. Cause I like my license was suspended. Um, she was like, September 10th, we're taking you to Tennessee. And so you guys didn't have the detox yet. So they had to take me over to Jackson. Well, they took me to Brentwood Springs, oh, that's right. but Brentwood Springs was full. So then the people at Brentwood Springs took me over to West Tennessee detox in Jackson, Tennessee. That's right. Um, and so, and like, this is crazy. Like, so the night before I left, I remember I made like $200 or whatever. I bought like 17 pills. And just that night I did like 10 of them. And then I remember on the way down here, I'm in the back of my parents' van, like laying down, trying to like hide behind a seat doing like, I think I had like the other seven and I did the rest of them on the way down. Cause I didn't want to start withdrawing yet. Mm. Like before I got to how the long of a drive is it? It's like a seven-hour drive. Yeah. And so I knew halfway through I'd start feeling like crap, yeah. you know. Um, and so, I mean, it's just – it's disgusting, really. Like, like my parents are taking me – and, like, they knew, you know. Like, I didn't th- – I thought I was being slick, you know. But my mom, like, she's telling me – she's told me now, like, she would try to have conversations with me in the car. And I'm sitting – like, nodding out, you know. Like, obviously yeah, doing things. And so – so, yeah, so I got to detox. The detox was rough. I didn't sleep for, like, seven days. I didn't eat for seven days. Mm. Um, I got to S2L just super defeated. Like, yeah. that's the best word I can think of. Just, like, physically just went through war. It felt like mentally broken, emotionally just wrecked, you know? Like, I have a journal from when I first got there, and, like, that first entry – um, it was before I'd really even talked to anyone. Like I just did my in- intake and I remember I went upstairs where the ping pong table is, yep. sat on that couch and I started writing and literally the whole thing is just basically about how I hate myself. Ugh. Like how I just, I'm an F up. I can't do anything right. You know, like that. Yeah. I just hate myself. Yeah. Um, and so that night again, I couldn't, I still couldn't sleep. Now I'm in a new place. But I'm still kind of withdrawing. I feel a lot better, but, like, it's just hard for me to sleep. And so Larry was my coach, and he worked that night. And so, like, I ended up staying up all night talking to him. And uh, Big Larry. Big Larry. Big Big Larry. And you know Larry. I mean, he he can get fired up. He can talk all night with you, baby. Yeah. Especially about the things of the Lord. Yeah, Yeah, especially. And so, you know, he's telling me a little bit of his testimony um, and just, like, explaining to me – Things that, like, I've gone through, except some even worse. But, like, I just see this, something about him that I just couldn't pinpoint. I was like, you're telling me you went through these same things, yet, like, I just see this, like, glow. That's the best way I could explain it. Like, it's night out. We're sitting outside, and this dude's, like, glowing, you know? And he's talking about the word, and, like, I've never heard anybody speak about the word like this in my life, you know? Um, Which, by the way, man, you mentioned the glow. That's what the viewers are seeing in you right now. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. No, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I mean, that's just the, the freedom that, that Christ can give you. Yeah, for sure. And I remember asking him, I'm like, man, how long have you been studying the Bible? He's like, you know, about a year. I'm like, yeah, what? You know, like just mind blown. And so, like, I remember telling myself, like, I don't know what this dude has. I don't know if it's Jesus. I, I don't know what it is. But I know he's my coach. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my all. You know, That's like, awesome. I came to the end of myself. I had nothing left. So it was like, it was this or nothing, yeah. you know? 
And so I remember asking him, like, he was getting ready to leave. It was, like, 530 in the morning. He was getting ready to go home. And I was like, hey, where should I, where should I start, you know, like, in the Bible? He's like, start reading Ephesians. And so um, I remember I started reading Ephesians. And, like, some of it was kind of hard for me because, you know, that first chapter starts talking about, like, predestination and election. So some of it was kind of hard for me to understand. But I remember getting to chapter 2, and he talks about how you're dead in your trespasses and sins, you know, but God God, who's being rich rich in mercy, you know. like And so I remember reading that, and I'm, like, getting fired up, you know, like, let's go, you know. (laughs) And so I remember we had class that day. Um, It was – no, no, this would have been, like, two days later. This is when Carl was still working there. This is his last Wednesday, actually, ever working. It was my first Wednesday there. I remember I still had, like, a lot of anxiety. I think it was just lack of sleep. I hadn't slept much. And so, you know, Carl, like, he just, like, he knows, yeah. you know? like, And so he, like, he's like, hey, you know, like, how are you feeling? You know, and I was like, I'll be honest with you, dude. I'm kind of anxious. And he's like, well, get on up here. And so, like, he and, like, all the guys in the program, like, prayed over me. And, dude, I remember feeling, like, just this weight lifted off of me and like i was smiling walking out and i was just like holy crap (laughs) like what just happened like is that real you know and for you old school life after addiction people he's talking about producer carl that you uh that you see in a couple of episodes shout out old carlos yeah for real he was yeah dude i remember he looked at me he's like dude you're a champion and i was just like i don't know why it just like that self-hatred started to slowly kind of lift away and like now gain this identity that like Christ has given me, you know? And so dude, like I got this hunger for the word, like no other, you know, like I was any moment. I don't want to say any moment. Cause there's definitely times I was playing cornhole and ping pong, stuff like that. But like, dude, like I was taking my Bible to the gym sometimes. Cause I was like, I don't even want to That's cool. like, you know, play basketball or anything. Like I just want to read this, you know, and get some quiet time alone with God. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, like my perspective just started changing on everything. Words are jumping off the pages, you know, like we're having prayer nights and like, it's the first time I've experienced, like, I don't want to say the first time I've experienced the presence of God, but like that thick, I guess. Yeah. Personal experience. Right. Right. Like not because I'm at this conference or like this youth group event and you know, like this is like, like I've started to, at this point, I'm starting to experience the presence of God on my lonesome, you know, not because of like a good speaker or worship or something like that. Like just me and God, you know, Mm. um, I'll back up just a little bit in that first week. I remember I started, I, I went walking into the woods and I had a very real moment with God where I was just like, I was praying out loud And like, you know, I was still kind of like, I don't know why I was still kind of embarrassed to pray, you know, or at least like out loud. Like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird. And so I went into like the woods to kind of be alone. And I remember like just talking to God and I was just like, look, dude, like I suck, you know, like Mm -hmm. I keep trying to do this on my own and I can't and I keep failing over and over. So like, I'm just giving it all to you, you know, whatever you want to do with my life, whatever, like it is, it is yours, you know? And like, I don't know. I just like looking back on it. I know God was just like, finally, Mm. you know, like I've been waiting for this moment. Mm. And, um, from that point on, I mean, very early on, I was like, I want to do phase two. Um, I went to do phase two. I didn't really want to do the internship, but God just kept putting on my heart constantly over and over and over again. So I wrote the letter you know, obviously got the internship, 
started interning and it was the same thing towards the end i remember talking to you about like actually working i was like i don't really want to (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i feel more peace about staying here and working than i do about going home Mm -hmm. and so you know and that was in march and you know i've been here ever since that's a beautiful thing man the light of christ compels like the light of christ draws us too and i had a similar experience in seeing the light of christ and the joy and the countenance of the lord on these men who served here mm-hmm. and that thing drew me in it's like you're saying i don't know exactly what you have but i want whatever you have and then right. you begin to proactively seek the things of god you had been around the things of god growing right. up you had never really sought after the things of god and that's why you were able to experience god in a new manner in a new light you know, with new eyes, because it was your personal seeking of God and your willingness uh, to surrender and submit to him. And it wasn't just, you know, out in the woods that one day, then Mm. you, you know, denied yourself and you went to phase two. Then once again, okay, now it's, should I go home or should I stay? Well, now I need to deny myself because I feel the right thing to do or what God is calling me to do is stay and be a staff member. And it's a continual surrender of (laughs) self daily and denying yourself Mm -hmm. daily uh, that gets you to where you are. But yeah, I remember having that conversation with you, even whenever you were debating on, you know, should I go home after internship? Should I stay? And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, give it a year. Like even if you feel an inkling of God is calling you to stay, man, there's a reason for that. And so man, you don't have to do this for the next five years, 10 years, 12 years, but the man of God that you will become and the things you're going to experience during this season are necessary for where God is taking you in the future. Right. And so if I struggle to submit to a calling for a year on my life and follow the Lord, well, I'm certainly going to submit or struggle to submit in the future mm-hmm. with certain things that God calls me to. And so this is good practice of denying yourself daily. And there's going to be times that are hard and stressful and you want to leave and you want to do something else. And right. this gets very heavy. And so mm-hmm. it's just easier to do something lighter and all those things. But what God is doing in the midst of all that, man, is growing you to the man, uh, you know, someday you're going to be to the husband. Someday you're going to be to the father. Right. Someday you're going to be in, man, these, these, this time that you're here, it's going to produce such fruit that is necessary for where he's taking you. So right. it's yeah. been cool to see you grow, man. It's yeah. blessed me. Yeah. yeah. I remember something you said to me that I now, I, I repeat to other people, um, you will never regret giving God more of your time. You yeah. know, mm. like whether it was a year or, you right. know, he's, you said like, uh, you're like, I've never had someone call me and say, man, I regret doing phase two. Yeah. And I regret doing the internship. You know, usually it's, the yeah. other way around yeah and so that that really resonated with me i was just like man yeah like what do i have to lose nothing yep. i've only have have to gain things you know um, Amen. and yeah i mean god's been working on me a lot just in that um because like i do miss home i miss my family you know stuff like that um but just like learning to really wait on the lord and being patient and not running when things get tough because that's all I've ever done my entire life, you know, and standing and fighting, you mm. know, being a man of valor, like we talk about, warrior for Christ, you know. It's um, good. It's it's a constant learning experience, man. Like it's, and I love it. I really do. I I, I enjoy the process, you know, of uh, maturing in my faith and creating a stronger foundation in Christ, you know, and so and it's like this, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's. I'm up here and sometimes I'm down here, yeah, yeah. but God is the same no matter what, you know? And For sure. So, yeah, dude, dude we, we went over no, a little man, bit. No, man, as we, we close out, I just wanted to. <laughs> Bro, you just <laughs> wrote on me, really? <laughs> it was an accident. Um, 
I'm going to have you say two things, but you can think about it because I want to say a few things. Um, scripture that's ministering to you right now that you want to share, and then just final thoughts for just someone out there that's struggling, that's maybe uh, that just relapsed after a detox, that's gone to a rehab in Florida and mm-hmm. thought they could control it and there's so much shame, or maybe they're six months, there's just whatever God's put in your heart to share. Um, yeah, I want you to close us out with the scripture that's ministering and then that, but um, I relate to that, man. Yeah. That was, I mean, and I think it it was cool to have, I don't want to say fresh, you know what I mean? But, I mean, it is that. It is It is a guy that's, that's you know, been walking in freedom for a year. And um, I think it's important to kind of bring that to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, praise the Lord, man, for what he's done in your life, Isaiah. It's been really cool, man. I uh, I have a huge admiration and respect for guys your age who really take this serious and hold fast to the truths and promises of God because – um, I was very arrogant and prideful and dumb, to be honest with you, at your age and felt like I had it all figured out. And for you to humble yourself and, you know, um, receive wise counsel, guidance and instruction from the men that God has placed in your life during this season, man, is going the fruit you're going to bear is just it's going to be amazing, dude. And mm. the fruit that you're bearing currently, you know, um, but that's a big deal for someone your age to really just because it's hard. Yeah. Be- people your age, Isaiah, ain't doing this. this ain't the popular thing like you used to do this ain't the you know culturally appropriate thing to Mm -hmm. do like it used to be in that 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 you used to engage in so that's a big deal man continue to do what you're doing yeah yeah man press on uh i'm thankful for you man thankful for your story for you guys um we're gonna link his mom's video as well in the in the show notes where she spoke with go and compare the two man I, i i think it's interesting you said that your uh, your mom and your relationship got really rocky at a certain mm-hmm. time, and to see y'all now, man, it's such yeah. a cool it's such a cool thing to see. Yeah, like um, this. yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing your heart. Thank you for having scripture me. scripture that that is that God's ministering to you, or that you think that you want to share. What is it? Yeah, so I got to pull it up because I'm I'm not. I know scripture, but at the same time, I don't like getting it wrong. Um, we got to get him better at podcast. I was talking. I gave him the cue. Hey, I'm going to ask you about this. I gave him a few minutes here as we were talking. He was supposed to be looking it up in that time. But he'll get there. Hey, he'll get there. Go ahead. I'm figuring it out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 18 years old, remember? And by the way, while he's looking it up, it's, I'm not it's cool 18, that I'm he... 22. Who said 18? He didn't. Oh, I yeah. Just, but, I mean, you did copy my hair, yeah, right? Well, mine's better. Well, okay. All right, hit it with the scripture. Um, so I feel like this kind of will go hand in hand with people who are struggling, especially if you're like around my age, but this one's really hit me early on. And even now it's a uh, first John two fifteen through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Um, amen, dude. Final thoughts. It's, uh, man, dude, if you're really trying to be serious about this thing, following Jesus, like we got to be separate from the world and it's going to feel weird. It might even feel lonely sometimes um, because the, path to righteousness is a narrow one but the path to destruction is a wide one 
Um, and so, man, dude, if you're out there and you've messed up or you feel this, this condemnation, just know that's not from God, right? God calls us to be higher, um, and to walk righteously, but that condemnation, that guilt, that shame, that's from the enemy, man. And I just rebuke that in Jesus name, you know? So, you know, reach out to somebody, somebody who you feel like is, is spiritually mature in their faith. Um, and man, just talk to God, you know, like, and ask him to just pull you out, whatever you're in. Um, and he will, he's good. He's very good. So I think that's probably, and that's life after addiction. (laughs) You better believe it. Thank you for listening to this episode of life after addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Studio. For more Christ-centered addiction recovery resources, please visit s2l.net. That's S, the number two, L.net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit s2lrecovery.org. That's S, the number two, lrecovery.org. We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.